Good morning. So good to see you in church this morning. How many know that God's here? Amen. I want you to join me this morning in looking at a remarkable story in the Bible that revolves around a biblical hero of mine, a guy called Joseph. I'm not talking of Joseph, of Joseph and Mary. Um, I'm talking of Joseph of the multicolored dream coat. And I actually want to look at three coats that Joseph wore in his time uh, of being on earth. And um, I, I want you to uh, note the fact that we zero in on the multicolored dream coat, and so we should. Um, but actually, he wore three coats throughout his lifetime, and uh, they speak right into today. Now, I don't know why you come to church this morning, whether you've just come out of a habit, whether it's just somebody invited you and so you didn't want to let them down, you've just turned up, or you're, you're scared that the pastor will hunt you down if you're not here, or, or I, I don't know why you've all come, but I want you to know that God got you here this morning. I, I prayed and I said, God, I only want in that building today the people you want in that building. And uh, I believe that God has brought you here. This is a divine appointment for you. And God wants to speak to you. So looking at the three courts, you look first of all, of course, at the multicolored dream court, which I want to call this morning the court of salvation. And then, of course, secondly, the court Joseph wore was a court that he had given to him as a slave in Potiphar's palace. He was sold by his brothers and he ended up in this house, this palace, where he became a slave. And I want to call that the court of character, the court of godly character. And then finally, we come to Joseph, who now becomes second in command over the greatest nation in the world at that time, the nation of Egypt. And I would call that the court of the overcomer. So let me begin by going to Genesis chapter 37 and verse 3. And it talks about Jacob, who was Joseph's dad. And it said, Jacob, his dad, loved him and made him a coat of many colors. So the coat was a gift that was given to Joseph from his father. In fact, Joseph had absolutely nothing to do with that coat until the day that he put it on. Joseph never provided the material for the coat. He never sewed a stitch, not even one stitch in the making of the coat. He did nothing at all to contribute to that coat uh, uh, whatsoever. The coat was a free gift from a loving father to his son and is a beautiful picture of Christians, what Christians call their salvation. It's a picture of God's gift to us. 21 times in the New Testament, salvation is called the gift of God. And, and the fact is this morning, when it comes to salvation, no one will ever be able to stand before God and say, look what Jesus and I did to get to heaven. No, friends, if we're going to get to heaven, it's all on God. It's nothing to do with us. If we're going to get to heaven, it's because God is working in and through our lives. 
In fact, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 is a remarkable verse. It says, God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. Now, I want to illustrate that by talking about another Old Testament character that we've talked about over the past few weeks. His name was Lot. And uh, this guy, Lot, lived in a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. And the fact was that when you meet up with him, ahead of him, he is facing fire and brimstone and a horrifying death because God is going to judge that city that was known as Sodom and Gomorrah, and he was going to wipe it off the planet and everyone that lived there. And this was what Lot was looking towards. But the Bible says this in Genesis 29 and verse 9, God remembered Abraham and saved Lot. That's an important verse. God remembered Abraham and saved Lot. Actually, when I read that verse, I I thought they'd got it wrong. How many know that they never get it wrong in the Bible? It's always. But I, I just thought they'd got it wrong. See, I thought it should have read something like, God remembered Lot and saved Lot. But no, it says God remembered Abraham and saved Lot. You see, the truth is that just before God poured out his wrath on Sodom and Gomorrah, he heard the prayer in the mountains, on the mountainside, of Lot's praying uncle Abraham. Lot's uncle Abraham was praying for him on the mountain. And the Bible says God remembered, uh, God remembered Abraham and saved Lot. And, and friends, in the same way, God saved me because of Jesus. Oh yes, in the same way that um, it, it was that Lot was uh, remembered because Abraham prayed for him. I want you to know that there was a day when a man spiked to the cross who was the son of the living God. He prayed and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And God saved us because of Jesus. He saved us because Jesus prayed for us. The fact was that we had nothing to do with it. The fact was that it wasn't for our sakes that we were saved. But God heard the prayer of my elder brother, Jesus. My senior brother, Jesus, prayed for me on the cross. And God saved me because of Jesus. And what he did for me, he did for you. If you know Jesus here this morning, I want you that you can know you can say that God saved me because of Jesus. In fact, turn to the one next to you and say, hey, God saved me because of Jesus. That was so half-hearted I could hear it up here. <laughs> Let me tell you again, friends. It is the gift of a loving father to you. You have been saved, and it's all because of Jesus. Our testimony is that we were facing death and hell, something worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. We were facing eternal death and eternal hell, the caverns of the dam forever. But my brother Jesus prayed for me on the cross, and God saved me because of Jesus. Now tell someone next to you, God saved me because of Jesus. Shout it out. Tell them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Oh, friends, that ought to really get deep down inside of us. That we have been saved because of Jesus. It's not been because of my good works. It's not been because that I was a good person because I wasn't. It wasn't because of my family upbringing. It wasn't because of anything to do with me at all. I had nothing to do with it. It was all God loving me because of his son, Jesus. And I am saved because Jesus loved me. The court of salvation. I had nothing to do with it. All I had to do on August the 23rd, 1963 was to put the coat on. And I knew that I was saved for eternity. I knew that when I put that cord on, my salvation had come. I knew that when I put that cord on, which I had nothing at all to do, but that I had just put on the coat and I accepted Jesus into my heart and life. And because of Jesus, God saved me and rescued me and brought me into his family. You see, it was the plan of Joseph's father, his father, to make the coat and give it to his son. And I want to tell you that you need to remember that your heavenly father planned your salvation before the foundation of the earth. In fact, the father, it tells us in the scripture that the father planned for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. It is that he planned for Jesus to live a sinless life as he walked through his life on earth He planned that Jesus would die on the cross for us. He planned that Jesus would become the sacrifice for our sins, not for his own because he was sinless. But he became the sacrifice for our sins. He planned for it to be that Jesus would rise again from the dead and never leave us or forsake us. Behold, I am with you even to the end of the age, he says. He planned all that. It was all in the mind of God. The fact is, there will be a day dawn when angels will come and visit you. And it will be in whatever room you are. It may be the day of your death or the day when we all got taken up. But God has a planned day when you are going to heaven. He has made the way through Jesus And there's a day where you do not have to fear death or anything else because you are going to just be lifted by angels and carried into the very presence of God. We are going to heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross. Oh yes, friends, I want to tell you again this morning, the fact is that God saved us, not only for time, but for eternity. And it's all because of Jesus. And there'll be a day when you will be carried into his presence and you will be with him forever. Hallelujah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, hallelujah, friends. Hey, listen, you should get excited about that. In fact, in fact, we're going to have a praise break again. I'm sorry, we've got to have a praise break right now. And we're going to rejoice in the fact that we've been set free, that we're children of the living God, that we are part of the family of God. And so the team are coming out and we're going to sing. Hey, come on, get on your feet, let's sing. And I want you to lift this up to Jesus right now. I want you to thank God for your salvation. Tell the one next to you again, oh yeah, God loved me because of Jesus. Tell them again, he loved me because of Jesus. And let's sing together right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Come on, lift it up one more time. We love you. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. Hallelujah. How many are thankful you've got on the cord of salvation this morning? Okay. Take your seats. I want to talk to you about this second coat that Joseph wore. It was called the coat of character. Now, in the story of Joseph, the fact was that his brothers hated him. Uh, He was hated because the father had loved him uh, in the way that he had loved him. And um, the fact was that his brothers hated him. They were jealous of him. And you need to know that as Christians... We have enemies that hate us. Oh yeah, I I want you to know that. See, if I believe in God, then I also have to believe in Satan. If I believe in good, there's evil. And the fact is that uh, from experience, I can tell you that there are demonic armies that are sent out to destroy our faith in Jesus Christ. That we face enemies that are unseen that come against us. But also we have enemies that come against us in our daily lives. And the fact is this, that they can be lethal. These enemies of ours can be lethal. Friends, I want you to get this because we slip into this mold of of, of American Christianity that doesn't face the reality that, that it's more than just a nice feeling to live in a country that has had Christian morals that are fastly fading away, by the way. And and, and the fact is this, that there are enemies against you every day that are seeking to undermine your faith in God and to undermine your stand for truth and to undermine your stand for biblical morality. You know, Joseph's brothers, they came close to killing him. They stopped short of doing that. And he was sold as a slave to this Egyptian ruler named Potiphar. Now, Joseph was a hard worker. Not only that, he was a man of integrity. He was a man that could be trusted. And when you are a hard worker, and you're a person of integrity, and you're a person that can be trusted, you can guarantee you're going to get noticed. And the fact is, this happened to um, Jacob, Joseph, and um, he became known as the best slave in Potiphar's household. Listen, friends, as we work and when we work or whoever we work for, whether they are good or bad, Christians ought to be known as the best workers. They ought to be known as people of integrity. They are to be known as people who can be trusted. And I want to tell you, friends, when you do that, you'll get noticed and promotion will be on your way. The fact is that Joseph found that. And the fact was that now um, he, he got given this robe that only the chief of slaves got to wear. He was now marked out as the best slave in Potiphar's household. And he wore that coat. I call it the coat of godly character. Now, Joseph also was a handsome man. In fact, every time I look in the mirror in the morning, I think, Joseph. But there was something else about Joseph. It was this. He had the presence of God with him. 
Oh yeah, it, it says over and over in the scriptures, in fact, five times in the story of Joseph, it is said, and God was with him. Wherever he was and whatever he was doing, even as he was in this slave house, God was with him. Here he was, a man of integrity, a hard worker, a man who could be trusted, and God was with him. How many would like to be known like that, friends? That the fact is, yeah, he's a hard worker, she's a good woman of integrity, she's a good woman and can be trusted. Oh, and not only that, God's with that woman, God's with that man. How many know that's a great place to be? And um, the fact was that he stood out in a crowd, not only for his good looks, but because God was with him. While part of his wife, she was beautiful, bored, and spoiled. Everything she wanted, she got. She noticed Joseph and repeatedly went after Joseph to seduce him. And repeatedly, Joseph refused their approaches. Finally, one day came when the woman moved in for the kill. The house was empty and she almost commanded him to now sleep with her. And she offered him her body. And he refused. And he ran out of the room. Listen, friends. There may come an awkward moment... It's a moment in time where you have a decision to say yes or no to temptation. You have a decision to say yes or no. And, 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 and you have a decision whether I stay or leave. And it's only a moment in time. But I want to tell you that if it is that you, need, you now give in to that moment, the results will be a lifetime of regrets. When we, when we take a moment in time and we do what we know we shouldn't do, it can leave a lifetime of regret. You could go around this room this morning and there would be story after story after story of a moment in time when someone should have ran, when someone should have said no, when someone should have turned their back and ran, but they stayed there and they committed the sin, they give in to temptation and they've regretted it for the rest of their lives. Now as Joseph ran, she made a grab for his coat. And she pulled his coat off him as he ran away. She then shouted, rape. And, and held the coat as evidence that Joseph had been in the room where she was. Now Potiphar, her husband, was immediately enraged by what had happened. And he condemned Joseph to 13 years in prison without hearing the other side of the story. But scripture says that God was with Joseph in the prison. God was with him. His name had been slandered. He had been lied about. He was disappointed and hurt and broken by what had gone on. Right back, starting with his brothers right up until this moment in time. He's now been accused of a crime that he never committed. He never did. But God was with him. Oh, I want you to get that, friends, deep into your heart. 
because some of you are in the midst of trial, in the midst of temptation. You've been accused and you've never done anything wrong. You are finding that all hell has broke loose against you, but you've stood true to Jesus. You've stood true to your faith. And I want to tell you, and God is with you this morning. He is with you. Now, please listen carefully to me. Every Christian wears two coats. We wear the coat of salvation, the free gift of a loving father. But also, we wear the coat of Christian character. The cost of salvation, of course, this coat of salvation, was all God's responsibility. We had nothing to do with it but to put the coat on. Uh, Mine, as I said, was August the 23rd. You you have a date in your mind right now or a day you can remember right now when you put on the coat of salvation and you knew that you were saved and that you were on your way to heaven, that Jesus had forgiven your past and now you're on the way to heaven. And it had nothing to do with you because remember, God saved you because of Jesus. He saved you because of Jesus. But the court of Christian character, we are responsible for that one. You have nothing to do with your salvation, but you have everything to do with your character and living a Christian life. We are responsible for that one. See, there are two sides to the proposition of Christian living. First of all, there's our position in Christ. That's what Jesus paid for on the cross. That's what God gave to us as a free gift. Our position is in Christ Jesus. Hey, listen, friends. We once were outside of Christ Jesus. We once were in the world and lost and go into a Christless hell. But how many rejoice with me this morning that we are now in Christ Jesus. We are children of the living God. I am a child of God. Shout it out. I am a child of God. You can do better. Come on. I am a child of God. We are in Christ Jesus. But then is there is the other aspect and the other proposition of the Christian life. And that is our condition before Christ. That's what we do when we are faced with the various circumstances of life, the various trials that come along our way, when it is that we are faced with temptation and sin, when it is that we're standing in the place where we are having to carry disappointment from what has happened. Even Christians let you down at times. People let you down and you feel this disappointment. Christian character, our condition before Christ, come into play when the heat is turned up and where now we have to either shine for Jesus or hide our light. Where we have to either now stand true to our faith or quit. That it is that now we get to the place where our actions and our attitudes the way that we respond or react to the various seasons of life that comes into play, we now find the difference that brings Christ to the surface or hides him away. See, there is what's called imputed righteousness, which is our salvation, 
It means, friends, that Jesus puts eternal life inside of us the day that we come to know him. And we are made right with God. There's no question about that. I'm not questioning your salvation this morning. If you've come to a place of repentance of your sin and you've asked Jesus into your heart and life, all that's happened is you've put on the coat of salvation and you are eternally safe. You are saved. It's called imputed righteousness. We had nothing to do with it. It was put inside of us. But then there's what's called practical righteousness. That's where people now see Jesus or they fail to see Jesus in us as we're going through the various situations, the circumstances, and the temptations of life. If Jesus is seen or not seen uh, in the way that we now live our lifestyle, our lifestyle that we live, if Jesus is within us, we have the responsibility to let his light shine out we have the responsibility to not hide our light, but to let our light shine out of us. We understand that if we are Christians, we are made different to make a difference. That it is that we, we don't just go back out into the world and act like we always have acted, but we go out there to show the difference that only Jesus can bring. That Jesus living in and through us can change our city and can change the world. We have a responsibility to let that shine out of us. We let the world see that by the grace of God, I'm doing nothing that is going to make the world point at me and say, if that's a Christian... I don't want to be a Christian. Now, now let me tell you. Now, Christians are not the most popular people in America at the moment. I don't know whether you've noticed that. I, I, I don't know whether you noticed that in America right now, Christians are looked a little bit with suspicion. We're classed as intolerant. And, and sad to say, we brought that on ourselves in many situations. But friends, that doesn't mean that I'm going to hide my light. It doesn't mean because I'm not liked and people are suspicious of Christians and they say, I don't want to talk about Christianity and I, I, I don't want to talk about religion or politics. And then they talk about both and run the religious down and mess up the politics. But the thing is this, that we are in this place, friends, where we have to make a decision. It's our responsibility that whatever's happening out there I am going to stand for Jesus Christ. I'm going to let his light shine out of me. If I'm the only one, then I'm going to stand up and be true to Jesus and to the Christian beliefs that I have. If it's against the popular current of the culture in which we live, so be it. I will stand for Jesus Christ. Oh yes, if Christ is for me, who can be against me? The fact is this, we stand in the power of Jesus Christ. And Christian character, it, it, it comes into play. So that it is, it is that a young person, a, a, a young man or young woman, they, they could say, I could sleep with that girl I'm dating 
but I'm a Christian and with Christian beliefs and I won't do it. I won't go against my Christ and I won't go against the Christian beliefs that I stand for. I could, I could sleep with that girl. I could sleep with that, that man. I'm not going to do it because I'm a Christian and I stand by my Christian character and beliefs and we refuse to do it. I always say, I always say, I could go to that party and I could get drunk. I could go and take drugs, but Christ lives in me. And it's against what I believe to now be in the place where I'm out of control because that's what drink and drugs do to you. They put you out of control. Hey, listen, friends, that's why the Bible says if you're going to be drink, be drunk in the spirit. It says let Christ now shine out of you. So it causes us to say I could gossip. And I could complain and I could be negative and pull people down. But I won't do it because I'm a Christian. And Christian character won't allow me to do it. You see, friends, listen. We can hide our first court, the court of salvation. We can be out there in the world and pretend that we're not Christian. And we hide our court of salvation. People don't even know that I'm saved because I don't talk about it. People don't even know that I'm walking with Christ because they never see me praying or reading the word. Christian uh, people out there they haven't got the faintest clue that I'm a child of God. You can hide that court, but when it comes to the court of Christian character, that will be seen. People will mark you out and know you by your character. And, and the world sees clearly our second court. They can tell if we are Christian or not by our character. Christian character will make you stand out as different. You will suddenly find when they see your Christian character standing out, they won't say dirty jokes around you anymore because they say, he don't seem to be a guy that listens to that stuff and doesn't laugh when other people are laughing. They will look at your Christian character and see that you're not ridiculing and running people down like others in the workshop are doing. They, they, they will see that although you may have a lousy boss, you're not one that's out there running him down and, and, and talking about him. There's something different about you. They mark you out as a Christian because of the way that you live your life. And where you are not going to bring your standards down, you're going to lift them up and say, no, I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. I'm not ashamed about it. I'm not going to hide it. You can take it or leave it. I am a child of God. And I'm going to live by Christian principles. It's gone quiet a little bit in here. But you see, friends, we have to decide. If I decide that I'm a Christian, I've got to begin living it out. It's my responsibility. I, 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 can't, I can't live your life for you. I, I can only live my own life. And I have to make a decision. Am I going to live my life according to the word of God? Or am I going to just blend into the world? Be a Christian on Sunday. I call them submarine Christians. You know, they surface on a Sunday and come to church and they raise their hands and sing and shout and clap. 
and say, I am a child of God. But then once they're out of church, they submerge again and no one will ever know until the next Sunday that they are children of the living God because now they hide away their Christianity. Friends, if we're going to see the world change, if we're going to make a difference, it's going to call for the rising up of a people of God that say, no, we're not going to do that. Whether you love me or not, whether you like me or not, whatever it is, I'm not going to be unkind. And I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to any way brain beat you into being a Christian. But listen, you're not going to stop me living by Christian principles. My morality is according to the word of God. I don't sleep around. I don't go after other men's wives. I don't go after other, uh, other uh, uh, wives' husbands. I'm a child of God. I live above that. I live according to the word of God. And I live by the principles of God's word. You know, I'm told that it takes about 150 degrees to, of heat to being able to make tin. I'm told that it takes about 500 degrees of heat to make bronze. When it comes to silver, I'm told it takes 1,130 degrees of heat to make silver. But it takes 1,400 degrees of heat to make gold. I believe, I believe we have to make a decision. Do I want to be a tin soldier for Jesus or do I want to be a gold soldier for Jesus? We've got to make that decision. We make that decision. Do I want to be a tin soldier or a gold soldier? Now, if I should ask who wants to be a gold soldier for Jesus' hands would go up all over the place. But listen, if you decide that your goal in life is to be a gold soldier for Jesus Christ, I have to warn you, get ready for God's going to turn up the heat. Oh, I, I want to tell you that. that friends, he, he, when it is that you say, God, I'm ready for you to work in my life. I want to stand true for you. I want to be the Christian that you want me to be. Oh God, I don't want to be a tin Christian. I want to be a gold Christian. Then God says, well, I'm going to have to turn up the heat. And so he turns up the heat. And as he turns up the heat, there's a whole load of scum that's in our lives that comes to the surface and he scoops it off. And then he turns up the heat a bit more. And a whole load more of scum comes to the top and he scoops it off. And then he looks and, and, and he says a little bit more and he puts a little bit more heat on and more scum comes to the top and he scrapes it off and then he looks into the gold and what does he see? He sees his reflection looking back at him. Listen, friends. He turns up the heat until we look like Jesus so that now we not only look like him, we talk like him. So that it is now that we now act like he acts. And we do what he wants us to do. And the world around us begins to see Jesus in us. <laughs> you know, we had, a, we had this wonderful man named Jim Maloof. Wonderful mayor of the city. I had the pleasure and privilege of, of bringing him to a place of faith. And uh, in his funeral, I, I tried to sum up 
his life. And I said, what makes Jim such a great man in the community? What makes Jim stand out in the crowd? What makes Jim be someone everyone wanted to be around? And I said, it was his name. It's in his name. His name is Jim. It actually means Jesus in me. (laughs) I often wished I had the name Jim, Jesus in me. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I want you to say it. Jesus in me. Oh, friends, that's what's going to change the world. As the Jesus in you begins to shine out. As people see you and mark you out. I want to tell you that when they see Jesus in you, they will want to be around you. They won't like you. You, They will feel whenever you're around them that you condemn them. But you're not condemning them. You're not even saying a word. It's the Jesus in you making them convicted of their own sin and that they don't look like the Jesus in you. But when Jesus is in you, your light shines. And you don't have to say anything sometimes. People see it. And they want what you have got. It's godly character that is developed in the heat of trials and testings. In the heat of going through temptations and trials and difficulties. And saying, oh God, for your reasons, you know why you're turning up the heat. Because there's scum to be scraped off my life. And we say, Jesus, carry on the work. We don't enjoy the heat being turned up. But Jesus, we want your image to be reflected in our lives. We want people to see the Jesus in me. Now quickly, because of godly character, Jesus, Joseph, he got out of prison and look what happened to him. You read it in Genesis 41. It says in verse 41 and 42, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him with a garment of linen. And I call that the coat of the overcomer. So finally, the truth came out about Joseph that he hadn't committed the crime. And he was set free. And now he ended up in Pharaoh's palace, the leader of the then known world, really. The most powerful nation in the world was Egypt at that time. And now Joseph is second in command to the whole of the nation of Egypt. So here's the deal. He overcame the hatred and jealousy of his brothers. Not only that, he overcame the temptation not to forgive them. He overcame the temptation to have sex with another man's wife. He overcame the temptation of the feelings of anger and bitterness of suffering for a crime that he'd never committed He overcame the feelings of revenge and retaliation against those who had done him evil and wrong, his accusers. He overcame the temptation to be taken up with the effect of disappointment and broken promises and unkept commitments that were made to him through his lifetime. He decided to overcome that and to stand in godly character. And while he was going through that, while he was going through everything he was going through, God was building godly character into him. And finally, he received the robe of the overcomer. You know, Mother Teresa is credited with writing the following. 
People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. When you spend years creating things that others could destroy overnight, create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous, but be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it's between you and God. It is never between you and them anyway. I love that, friends. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3, there's amazing, an amazing promise made to overcomers. It says there that they that overcome will sit on the throne of God. Wow! What on earth does that mean? I have no idea. But I know it's good. And I know it's a blessing. And I know that God says there's something in store for overcomers. Now, friends, I haven't got time to go into all this, but let me tell you this. When we get to heaven, we're not all going to be on the same level. A lot of people have thoughts that we're all going to be on the same level and probably sitting on a, a cloud playing harps. That is absolute garbage, friends. I want to tell you that how you live your life for Jesus on earth counts in heaven. And how you don't live your life on earth counts in heaven as well. There will be Christians that will scrape into heaven by the skin of their teeth. The Bible says that. But God says, for overcomers, those that could have given in, but they didn't. Those that have could have fallen to temptation, but they didn't. Those, those that may have fallen, but they got back up, got forgiveness and carried on. Those, those that were tempted and tried, and the heat was turned up, and they went through enormous struggles on earth. He says, listen, I want you to know that's not going unnoticed. And when you get to heaven, I'm going to put on you the cloak of the overcomer. You are going to receive a reward for the fact that you stood true to Jesus Christ. All over this room this morning, there are people who are fighting for your spiritual life. I told you at the beginning that God brought you here for a divine appointment. You know who I'm talking to right now. There's a lot of stuff for some of you that Satan is using to take you out. Oh, I don't mean out of the church. He wants to take you out of the faith. I want to tell you, evil is lethal. And friends, the attacks are lethal that comes against us. But listen, you escaped. You escaped from the cave of isolation. And you are now determined to fight and to not go back. You 
wear proudly the cord of salvation. I am a child of God. You have on your cord of Christian character. You're people that take it seriously and you live as Christians. It's not easy resisting temptation in these days. Once I was young, now I'm old. I want to tell you it's more difficult to resist temptation nowadays than it was in years gone by. I, I don't know about God turning up the heat. I know the devil's turned up the heat. He's made it possible for people to sin and no one else know it. He's made it possible with gadgets and things for people to be tempted and to fall into sin and only they know it. Oh, friends, we've got to live our lives as if only Jesus can see us and his eyes are never off us and we are never out of anyone's sight. We're always in the sight of God. But the temptation comes. People here this morning who are resisting disappointment with people and things. People here who are resisting anger and seeking to blame people. You resist doing that. Resisting the temptation to any kind of sexual sin. You're resisting the temptation for out of control living with drink or drugs or spending or eating. And the fact is you resist and you fight. You're fighting off the temptation to get revenge with people that have done you wrong. And on and on and on I could go with a list of things that you are fighting at the moment. But your determination today has got to be that one day, one glorious day, when you will stand before God and you will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let me put on you the robe of the overcomer. Because you struggled, but you got back up. You fainted, but you got back up. You attempted to give in, but you didn't. You attempted to quit, but you didn't. You attempted to run, but you didn't. You, were, you, you now have stood strong. You have passed the test. You can say as the Apostle Paul, I fought the fight. I've kept the faith. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 talks about those who have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That's the cord of salvation, friends. You see, we will never get to heaven without the cord of salvation. We will never get to heaven without putting on that coat that was made for us by God, planned for us by God. And if we get to heaven, it's because we're wearing the cord of salvation. And if you haven't got yours on, you can get it on today. So we are going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And then it says, by the word of our testimony. Our testimony is this. We are tempted on every side. The struggle gets hard and difficult. We are tempted to give in to things that we know the Bible doesn't stand for. We're tempted by the culture to give up on truth that has lasted for century after century after century. 
We're tempted to write the Bible off as just another book. We're tempted on every hand so that it would be that we could get angry at times. It could be that we could get spiteful and selfish at times. But the fact is that we've got on the cloak of character that says, I'm not going to give in to that stuff. And as each day goes by, I'm going to allow Jesus to turn up the heat so that it is that he can get me to the place where I'm a gold soldier for Jesus Christ so that he can shine out of me and that the world will know you can take my life but I'll never quit on Jesus Christ. You can do what you will but I'll never back down. So friends, as we come to a close, I want to pray for those that are in the midst of the battle right now. I mean, you're right in the battle right now. You're battling temptation. You're battling sin. You're battling the, the, the whole area of being disappointed and let down. You may be battling sickness and you can't understand it. It may be that you're going through hell right now, but you are determined. I want to pray for you. So if that's you, stand where you are right now. Just stand up where you are. And we're going to believe God together right now for breakthrough. In the name of Jesus. I'd rather do the will of God, friends, and die doing it than live for this world and let my Lord and Savior down. I want you to make a determination this morning. I am a child of God. The worst may come. I'm not promising that everything is magically going to turn right because we pray this morning. But what I am saying is this, friends, that God sees you this morning and He's not without divine strength that He can pour into your body and soul. He is the one that says, I will come and strengthen you. And that it is that He will put His Holy Spirit within you and you'll be able to stand against all the wiles of the devil. Every enemy attack will be faced up and driven back in the power of the name of Jesus. And as you stand this morning, God is seeing you saying, there's no going back, there's no quitting, there's no turning down the heat. I am a child of God and nothing's going to change that. Father, right now you see these people that are standing before you. They're not standing before John King. I'm in the battle with them, Lord. I know what it is to have the heat turned up. I know what it is for the devil to come against. I know what it is to battle thoughts and feelings. And God, I'm with them in the fight. And you need to know we need you this morning. Father God, we thank you for the coat of salvation. We know we're eternally saved. But God, this morning, by your grace, will you pour strength into us? Will you pour guts into us? Will you put determination within us that the enemy can do his worst against us, that people can do their worst against us? We will not quit. We will not bow down. We will stand in the name of Jesus Christ and say, I am a child of God. Shout it out. You're on your feet. I am a child of God. Raise your hand to the air and say, I am a child of God. Come on, let's sing our way out here this morning.